Welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Church. We're currently teaching through the Gospel of John. Covenant Grace Church is one church meeting in multiple locations. This message was recorded at our Menifee campus. Be in Proverbs 4.23, and it'll be on the screen too. We're just doing one verse, um, as you guys have been here for a while now. Um, sometimes we do 66 verses, which we did a few weeks ago, so we'll just do one this time. Um, so Proverbs 4.23, I'm super excited about it. Um, uh, does anybody want to share any other most unusual gifts they'd received? Anybody else? Anybody else want to share? Most unusual gift you received or have given, now that you've had time to think about it? What, what do we got? What do we got? Uh-oh. What's up? Mashed potatoes for Christmas. Were they cold or were they warm? Was it in your stocking? They were cold. That's not a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what do you got, Eli? A cardboard box with what? With X's on it. What kind of parents do you have? It was the guy that was just up here. Yeah, you know, we had um, for our cat, our cat uh, got a cold. And uh, I should be more specific. I'm a veterinarian. I should be like able to tell you more than that. But um, so the cat had a cold and lost his, her voice. This is a true story. This year. And so Mason made her as a gift a voice box. So like took a cardboard box and wrote voice box on it. Uh, the surgery though is extra. So, but um, I know you know one of the things none of you guys probably said that you got as a gift was um, a heart. But this morning we're going to talk about how we've been given the most unusual and wonderful gift, and that is a new heart. And I'm super excited to talk about that as we kind of go here into New Year's, which is one of my favorite holidays. Um, let's pray and we'll get started, Father. We um, come before you as people who have come from all different years. Uh, This year was different for each of us. Uh, For some of us, it was a hard year. Uh, For some of us, not, Lord. We come to this place with all sorts of burdens and difficulties and and also joys and thankfulness. And, And we just pray, Lord, that you would speak to each person in the way that only you can, Lord. We don't need to hear the thoughts and opinions of a man. We need to hear from you, our living God. And we know that so often and every week you're faithful to speak to people directly. And we pray that you do that during the preaching of the word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, in in Ezekiel 36, uh, about 600 years before Jesus was born, there was a promise made. There was a promise made that one day a Messiah would come. And this is what the promise would be. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. This is particularly good news this time of year as we're thinking about next year. And I don't know if you're like this and come up with resolutions and stuff. But I'll tell you, like, New Year's is my favorite holiday. Not because of New Year's Eve, because I'm usually asleep. But, um, but I do like a fresh start. I do like to think about you know, my year before and what, you know, I might want to pursue different in my life in the coming year. And the, the cool thing about this passage is that, that Jesus has given us these gifts. He's given us, he cleanses us, he removes all our sin. And then in addition to that, it says that he gives us a new heart, a heart that's alive to God. And that heart that he gave us that's alive to God that, that, that we get through the gospel is inhabited by the Holy Spirit. How cool is that? So you have a new heart, a heart that can live for God, And that heart is actually indwelt by, or the Holy Spirit lives inside of your heart. 
And so we're going to talk this morning about this most unusual and wonderful gift. It's a gift, though, guys, and I think most of you agree with me on this. It's a gift that we've largely left unwrapped. I really think that we've not yet in any way come to realize the potential of the, of the new heart that he's given us. And so that's exciting. I mean, because many of us have lived the Christian life mainly by willpower, right? Mainly by just trying really hard to do the right things from a heart that doesn't really want to do the right things. But what Jesus offers us, and I love this, Jesus offers us an easy yoke and a light burden. How does that come? That comes as our hearts are transformed. And so um, just thinking about this year and this next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how does Jesus transform our hearts? How do we engage him in it? How do we pursue true heart change? And I was just thinking about it this week. And do you guys realize that any resolution that's based on a biblical command, you can keep all year by the power of the Spirit? You guys realize that? Now, my wording's very carefully chosen. Any resolution based on a biblical command, that's important because you could say, well, I want to make six figures this year. There's no biblical command for six figures, <laughs> sadly. Um, but if you said, I want to pursue a heart that's hardworking and loves to serve others and is eager to go into work, that's something that, that God commands and you can do. You could say, well, you know, this year I would love to have obedient, easy children. Okay? There's no command to have obedient, easy children. Not to you, anyway. And so, um, but what you could pursue is patience and joy in parenting the kids you've been given. And that is something God will give you the strength to do. And, and what we need to do, though, as we, as we have these resolutions that are based on biblical commands, is we need to find the way, and the scripture is rich with this, to pursue these by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what discipleship is. If you're like, what is discipleship? Discipleship is learning to do everything Jesus has commanded by the power of the Spirit. And that's something that's totally within our reach. So the text we're going to be in here is Proverbs 4.23, and it reads like this. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. The context here is this whole book of Hebrews is written to a uh, father to a son. It's giving him advice on all kinds of things. It's telling him the things that he's to do, and it covers all kinds of things like marriage. It covers work. It covers um, even gossip. It covers avoiding sexual sin. It, it, it covers things like not co-signing on loans. I mean, it's got everything in there. And in this particular area, though, uh, the father is addressing his son about his heart. And, and what's the command here? Do you guys see it? The command is keep your heart with all vigilance. And the first thing we need to ask is what is the heart? Okay? Because you guys might, even when I said heart, had an idea of the heart. What does our culture mean when they say heart? Yeah, emotions, right? That's the thing. And so your heart is your emotions, according to our culture. And one of our famous kind of cultural advices is follow your heart, okay? Which is the worst advice ever, okay, is that we would allow our emotions to lead our lives. Um, in Christian culture, though, we mean something different by heart, but often we're unclear. You might hear people saying things like, oh, you know, I think she has a heart issue, we don't mean that she has, like, congestive heart failure or something like that. <laughs> it's, it's, we mean there's something deeply wrong there. Or you might say, hey, bro, you need to check your heart. You know, and you're like, whoa, okay. Not sure what he meant by that. Um, or you might say, you know, I'm just trying to guard my heart right now. Have you guys seen that video? There's that video on YouTube about stuff Christians say, and there's a whole bunch of these kinds of things. I'm just trying to guard my heart. You know, I'm just trying to guard her heart. Like, what is that? Sounds profound, but we're not sure. You get a lot of, mmm. 
you know, in a small group. If you say, oh, I'm just trying to guard my heart, they'll be like, oh, that's good, you know. <laughs> no one knows what it means, though. And I'll tell you, I've been a Christian for 28 years, and I have had no idea what it meant. And I really had no idea how to pursue real heart change until more recently the Lord started to teach me these things. All I knew, guys, is that I was really jacked up in my heart. But I hadn't, and I, all I knew is that God was the only one that could change it. But that left me kind of passive. I just figured, well, you know, if he changes it, great. If he doesn't, you know, that's a bummer, right? But this passage actually gives us commands. It doesn't say to be passive. What does it say? It says, keep your heart with all vigilance. We're commanded to keep it vigilant. And that implies that there is a way to um, learn how our heart works and also discover ways and practices to keep it and to guard it and to cultivate it. Because God, God alone can change your heart, but you alone are called to keep it, right? So he's the heart changer, we're the heart keeper. I have this friend, he's one of my closest friends, we've been friends for at least 20 years, and he works for USGS, and he mainly works in, uh, in reptile conservation, he's a geneticist, and so he goes out and he's collecting reptiles all the time. It's like what he always did as a kid, but now he gets paid like a ton of money to do it, it's like the best job ever. But recently, uh, last year, he had the job of collecting scorpions, Okay, so he's going out, he's out in the hills collecting scorpions. And uh, he was collecting them with a black light because it turns out with scorpions, if you guys want to look for scorpions, you see the black light. It turns out if scorpions weren't scary enough, they glow under black lights. So you can just walk out in the fields with this thing and you'll see glowing scorpions. Awesome. And so he was out there and he wanted to collect a, a type from a certain canyon up above Palm Springs because that's where this particular species was first described. And as he's hiking up there, there was a problem. He wasn't able to go all the way up there because there's these three springs above Palm Springs called Snow Spring. And they, um, they supply a ton of the water for Palm Springs. I mean, just it's, that's why Palm Springs is Palm Springs, because there are these springs, tons of volume. And the purity of it is unbelievably good. So there's this super pure springs. They put a tiny bit of chlorine in it because they've certified it that it's pure, but they guard it so that nothing happens to it. And it just gravity flows down the hill. It's amazing. A ton of the water comes from that. Super pure. But they guard this thing. It's been certified pure, so they have guards, they have video cameras. So here he is hiking up there, you know, looking for scorpions. And it wasn't long before he was approached. And he was like, hey, I'm with the USGS. He works for the government and stuff. And they're like, nope, can't come in here. Even with those, those uh, credentials. Why? Because they keep it vigilantly. You know, it's a spring that they keep vigilantly. Um, in this text, it describes your heart as a spring as well. It says, from, flow, from it flow the springs of life. We have something bigger to protect than they have to protect. We have our whole lives to protect by protecting the heart of our spring, the spring of our heart. Um, Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. That from it flow, that the uh, Hebrew of that is that all of our outgoings come from the heart. And, and what that looks like is if you guys were able to get to the top where that spring is, you would hike through desert. You guys know what Palm Springs look like, a bunch of rocks and desert and sand. And you'd eventually come to an area where you'd start to see trees and you'd be like, what's the deal with this? And you'd walk a little further and there'd be some grasses. Then there would be a pool and you would know that down underneath the ground, there's a reservoir of water, right? A spring and up percolating from that is the water that's causing all these things to grow. Um, that is a great example of your heart. Your heart and what comes out of your heart gives shape to and life to everything in your life. It shapes the whole landscape of your life. And that's why we have to guard it vigilantly, guys. Um, I'd like to draw you guys a diagram. Um, for those of you guys who uh, listen to TED Talks, this is where I say this is a highly visual talk, and you'll probably want to download the graphics online. 
Um, but I want to draw you a diagram, um, not because I'm an amazing artist, but um, because I'm not, as you'll see. But I want to show you something about your heart. And so let's say this is like a little rocky hillside, and this is that spring of water, right? This is where the water is kind of percolating up from. This is what your heart's like. Your heart is invisible to you. It's just like this is underneath the ground and stuff. Your heart is largely invisible to you. Your heart is something you can't fully examine. Only God knows it fully. But the way that we can know what's in your heart or you can know what's in your heart is by what comes out, right? So we got stuff flowing from out, out of it right here. Um, your heart is the center of your inner life and your orientation to God from which you do all of your thinking, feeling, and choosing. And that's why it's so important. And just like that underwater, underground reservoir um, that gives life to springs, your heart is like that. It flows out. And you can't directly change your heart any more than you could do like real heart surgery on yourself, right? You can't directly change your heart. You can't even directly access it. But what you're called to do is what? Keep it. So what I want to talk about this morning is how do we keep it? And like I said, you don't know exactly what's in it until you see the things that flow out of it. Um, Luke uh, 6.45, Jesus says, The good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so here we have um, Luke 6.45. There's things that come out. There's, there's words and actions. And just like you could take a sample from a spring water and tell what's in the heart, we can see what comes out of our own hearts, how, how the inside of it is, right? We, we can see by the temptations and the thoughts and the emotions and the words and the actions that flow out. We can get some idea of what's inside. And so let me draw this a little bit more. So this is the heart. And then here, let's say this is your mind, okay? And this would include thoughts. Um, it would include uh, emotions, what the culture means by heart, um, and temptations. Okay, that's your mind. And, and what enters your mind, the level of temptation you have, the emotions you have, the thoughts that you have are evidences of your heart. Uh, Matthew 15, Matthew 15, 19 says, Jesus says, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. And so that's your, your mind, right? And then what we do from our mind, right, is we make decisions and we make actions, right, and words. Is this helpful or what? Look at that. Okay, and, um, and, and this happens by what? By decisions, okay? So we contemplate things that we think and temptations we have, and we make decisions that become actions and words. But that's not the only way that actions and words happen, huh? Sometimes they arise out of our hearts without thinking about it. You guys ever had that happen? Um, this can happen too, right? This can happen too. You can actually have actions and words that come out. There's, there's words that come out of our hearts without us even intending them to happen. Um, this happens in some cases when we reflexively lie. You guys ever felt this before? Somebody asks you a question, you give an answer, and you're like, oh, shoot, that wasn't true, right? What was that? Inside your heart, what happened was a calculation was done. You decided, do I want to honor God or do I want to have like control and approval of this person? And your heart just made a decision. You know, it's an evidence of our hearts. Um, another place it happens, you guys would feel uh, really commonly, is harsh words. You think about a couple arguing with each other. And uh, let's say probably the dude says the dumb thing, right? And so he says something, and what does he say after? He goes, oh, I don't know where that came from. 
right? Um, I don't really think that way. Well, what would Jesus say? Jesus would say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And so um, if we put Luke 6, 45 there, that um, it just flows right out. What's happening when that happens is that our heart is like a cup filled to the brim. And if you bump me hard enough, what do you get? You get the outflow of my heart. That's what happened there. Um, You've heard people say, oh, she has no filter. You ever heard that before? Or he has no filter. Okay, it was just Christmas, right? So you're around people that have no filter. Okay, and we could have had that be the discussion question, right? We all have the crazy uncle or something. What, what's the filter? What they're saying is what we need to do is put something right here so that people can't tell what's in our hearts because we're just going to restrain it with a filter. Guys, we don't need a filter, right? We need a clean heart. We need a heart that's been made pure by the Spirit, such that we can let whatever's in here flow out into blessing to God and others. That's what we need, right? We don't need a filter. We need a clean heart. And so um, our hearts are always changing. They're always becoming more or less pure. Um, and so just like a spring might become contaminated or, or gain purity, that's the way our hearts are every day. The condition of that water we call our character. Our character is the overall, um, Willard says, it, Dallas Willard says, our character is the overall structure of ourself that re- is revealed in long-run patterns of behavior. And listen to this, stuff that comes out of us more or less automatically. It's our character. Our character is, is a part of us that does things automatically. That's why somebody might reflexively lie or might do something without thinking about it. What is it? It's a revealing of character. And... Um, and it's just like um, when you drive, you don't really think about your driving, right? When you walk, you don't really think about how to walk, hopefully. Okay? It's dangerous if you do. Our character is what we do when we don't really think about it. And, and the cool thing about our character, guys, is it can change. How cool is it that God, over time, transforms our character so that the things that we do almost automatically are the things he would have us to do? Isn't that what you want? I mean, that's what I want. I want more and more that I'm not wrestling here, trying to battle thoughts and emotions to make right decisions. I want more and more for God to transform my character such that it's automatic. The things that come out are automatically the things he would have us to do. And that happens, guys, as Proverbs 4.23, as we keep our hearts, as we keep them vigilantly. How would you like to be the kind of people who just naturally responded with loving your enemies? How many of you guys would love to be naturally the kind of people that turn the other cheek or bless others when cursed or are joyful under trial? That happens when we keep our hearts. Let me give you um, three reasons you should care about keeping your heart. First one is for you, okay? For you. And I know that sounds selfish, but you'll see. For you. Because, guys, the level of temptation in your mind, the level of temptation and thoughts and, and difficulties with emotions and stuff that you have in the future is largely determined by how you keep your heart today. That's what this passage is saying. You gotta think about like, what kind of person do you wanna be in the future? What kind of person, you know, for younger people, what kind of 30 year old do you wanna be? What kind of 40 year old do you wanna be? When you're 60, 70, 80 years old, what do you wanna be like? It, it, it depends on how well you keep your heart. Do you wanna be a more cynical, bitter, anxious, pessimistic person? I mean, we see that, right? We see elderly people that are like that, right? How does that happen? They didn't keep their hearts, right? Or do you want to be the kind of person that's naturally more loving and joyful and peaceful and hopeful? We see older people like that too, right? How did that happen? By keeping your heart. How you keep your heart will determine, today and tomorrow will determine what kind of person you are when you're older. 
what kind of heart that you have, what kind of character that you have. And so um, I just find this super encouraging because for some of you guys right now, you are in a heat of battle with temptation. You know, whether it is a temptation towards bitterness, you've been wronged in some way and you just find yourself like you wake up in the morning, it's the first thing you start churning over, you know, or whether you're in a really difficult time of just discontentment or a difficult time with fear. I mean, I have wrestled with that big time, all sorts of fear. You wake up and you're already in fear. You don't even know where it came from. It's just overtaking you. Or maybe you're in a very difficult time with battling lust, you know, either heterosexual lust or maybe you're dealing with same-sex attraction, which is very common in our culture and in the church. And you're just thinking, like, how am I going to do this? (laughs) You know, like, I might be a Christian for, like, 40 or 50 more years before I die. How am I going to do this? And the thought is often that somehow we're going to always have to wrestle at this level, that we're going to have these thoughts and emotions and temptations to this level, and we're just going to have to battle them out for the rest of our lives. But guys, this text says that if we will keep our heart with all vigilance, what will happen is that your thoughts, your emotions, your temptations, that will improve as your heart improves. As Jesus says, those things naturally arise out of the heart. So if we'll keep our heart, if we'll tend our heart, we can have the kind of heart that actually works for us. Isn't that cool? I just love that. When I discovered that, it was like super helpful. So guys, um, just believe me that, and believe the scriptures that um, it will not always be this hard if you'll keep your heart. That you can become more and more the kind of people who these temptations don't have a hold on you the way they used to. And I think all of us in here, especially those who have been walking with the Lord for a while, can say, oh yeah, there were things I was tempted to before that now they're just not, they don't have that anymore. I've, I really feel dead to it now. The Lord has, has worked in my heart as, as I engaged him to change in that area. So I would say do it for yourself. I would say do it for others too. Because remember guys, you're not the only one that has to drink from the water of your heart, Right? It's really all the people around us do. Everyone around us is either being nourished by the Spirit through us or they're being infected with our bitterness and our fear and our pessimism and our anger. You know, we spread that to other people. We spread that to our kids, our spouse, our our closest friends, the people we disciple, the people at our workplace. We have this outflow, right, all the time and people are being affected by it. Um, I'm reading this guy, Jack Eswine, a book by him, and He has this really cool thing, and I want to talk to you guys about this in the coming weeks, but he really has a lot of patterns built into his life where he kind of examines his heart and tends his heart well, and I want to share some of those things with you, but he was talking about how important it is before the family comes together at dinner that everybody deals with their hearts first. Isn't that important? I mean, you think about wives at home with their kids and the kids driving them crazy or, you know, the the husband or maybe the wife has had a very difficult time at work. You come together and what happens? Dinner's not always this like, like a return to Eden, is it? That it should be, right? And this is what he says. He says that family dinners can be difficult. He says, we litter the evening living room with the trash of our untended frustrations and anxieties. Those who have to pay for it without warrant are the closest to us. Those whom we say we love most. And that's sad. I mean, that's what it is, right? If I don't tend my heart, if on the drive home, I'm not keeping my heart with all vigilance, what am I going to do? I'm just going to spread that stuff out. Now I'm going to feel totally justified doing it, right? So we need to keep our hearts with all vigilance for ourselves, for those around us, and also for God. You guys realize that God himself drinks from the outflow of our hearts. Um, I, I, earlier on in my Christian life, you know, I realized that you know, God doesn't just want my external behaviors to be right, right? So he doesn't want me to just say the right things and do the right things. He wants my thoughts to be right, the intentions of my heart to be right. You know what I used to think about that? 
I used to think it was super picky. I was just like, I'm doing the things you say, kind of, right? Like, leave me alone on the inside. I just felt like this is too much to ask, right? It's too much to ask that you would also be invading my thoughts and my emotions and wanting those to be a certain way. I feel like it was hard enough already. But guys, God sees all this equally vividly. You guys realize that? Like, he sees the thoughts and the actions, the emotions, the temptations, all this equally vividly. Um, we recently moved, and we moved a couple months ago. New housing track, so no backyard, right? So you got dirt, and you have a certain amount of time where you got to do that. And the other thing that doesn't come with is blinds, right? And we still don't have blinds. On the whole west side of our house, we don't have any blinds. So we have blinds in, like, the bedrooms and stuff, but, like, we're basically an aquarium, as far as the neighbors go. So the neighbors on our west side, they can look right into our house all the time. And every once in a while, I realize this when I, like, come out my boxers and, like, put the dog out. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, you know? Like, I'm in an aquarium here, you know? Because, you're like, we're wanting to live transparently, you know? Like, we're wanting to just, like, let people into our... No, I'm just kidding. We're cheap, you know, or lazy, or I don't know what it is. I'm cheap and lazy. But, guys, God sees equally vividly into our house, into our hearts. He sees everything. And so he should care, right? He should care what he sees. Um, It's from our hearts that we meet the Father and fellowship with him, and he enjoys his time with us. Um, Matthew 23, Jesus says, You clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. First clean the inside of the cup and the plate. And the out, that the outside may be clean. Really cool image. So let's say you guys come over to my house, and I go, hey, you know, you want something to drink? Sure. And I give you a cup. It's a beautiful cup. And on the inside, there's just, like, filth, right? You're like, Ugh, yeah. It's just filthy. There's floaters in the water and stuff like that. And you say to me, like, hey, can I get another cup? Real nice, you know? Hey, can I get another cup? And I'm like, what? It's dirty on the inside. And I'm like, picky. Right? Look how nice it is on the outside. That's where I was with God when I was thinking, you're being picky. But this is the part he drinks from. Right? He drinks from our hearts. Isn't that wild to think about? That when he interacts with you, you're, he's looking at your hearts all the time. Isn't that interesting? People say, well, you know, God knows my heart. And I'm like, that's comforting. You know? <laughs> like, the stuff that's in there, that's the place that, that he relates to us. And that's the place we want clean for him. He should want our hearts to be pure, and we should want to offer that to him. Um, John Calvin, he had this, uh, this like, wax seal that he put on, a, you know, this is 1500, so he had this, like, wax seal that he put on his stuff, and his, his seal and his motto was this. It was a hand with a heart in it, and he said, and it said on there, my heart I give to you um, immediately and, pu- and purely or something like that. It was like, I'll give you my whole heart. Like, that's, that's what he was about. He's like, super smart guy. I want to learn a lot of theology. wanted to live right before God. But what he really wanted to do is he wanted to hand his heart to God promptly. Okay, so how do we keep our hearts? Let's, let's dig into that a little bit. How do we keep our hearts? Let's come back to the diagram. Um, though we can't fully know what's in here, but we can see by what's coming out, um, we are called to keep it. And how do we keep it? Well, it turns out that the, what we do with our minds, what we do with our thoughts and emotions, has an effect back on our hearts. This is where we keep our hearts, right here. And you think of passages, you guys can probably think of some. Um, Romans 12, right? Philippians 4, I'll read those for you. Um, Romans 12 says, Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does our heart get transformed? It gets transformed by what we allow our minds to think about. 
In that passage, the thing to think about is scripture. As we meditate on scripture, what happens is there's a cleaning process that occurs to our hearts, right? We talk about in the new year, hey, we need to read our Bibles and all this stuff. And people get this idea that somehow God, you know, just, you know, is real needy and needs us to read our Bibles. He doesn't. He's not like, you know, an author that wrote a book. Hey, did you read my book yet? No, it's not that kind of deal. (laughs) We need this, right? This is the thing that purifies our hearts. And so to think about, bring all of our anxieties and our fears and our covetousness. And as we dwell in his word, it purifies our minds. Philippians 4 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, Anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What's that a command to do? It's a command to think upon certain things, to think upon the things of Scripture. And that is something within our control. And so that's how we keep our hearts. That's how we guard them. And as as we dwell on these things, our hearts become less and less contaminated. The opposite's true, though, too, right? If we dwell on things throughout the day and we allow our minds to dwell on things that, that are of sin or stir up sin... It it contaminates our hearts. And we have to really think about that throughout the day. Where during the day am I contaminating my heart? Because you're totally working against yourself, right? You have a beautiful time maybe of studying the scripture in the morning. You know, hearts being purified through that filter of the word, right? And then throughout the day, what are you doing? You're contaminating. How do we contaminate it? I mean, things like dwelling on discontentments. You know, maybe you're single and and you want to be married. Maybe you're married and don't like being married. You know, there's discontentment. You dwell on that and you think about it. Um, dissatisfaction with your own body, you know, um, thinking through the possessions that you don't have and having that be a regular, you guys know what that's like to just churn over these things throughout the day. Ray LaMontagne, he has a song, Empty, and I love what he says, and he says, I never learned to count my blessings. I choose instead to dwell on my disasters. <laughs> How true is that? I mean, that's contaminating our hearts, right? Think about like the negative and fear-mongering talk radio you listen to or podcasts or news things that you listen to. We become addicted to that stuff, right? We're addicted to that. There's something tasty about that negativity. You know, there's something tasty about that fear. You just keep on bringing it in. Maybe there's people on Facebook, you know, that you're, they just constantly are putting things out to you that are fear-mongering, guys. It's not helpful to you. I want to be informed. This isn't about information. It's about fear-mongering and negativity. Unfollow those jokers. You can stay friends with them. You realize that, right? Like, you can stay friends with them. You just unfollow them. They don't know. They continue to kind of spew that stuff, and you can be like, hey, love you, man. Um, Other things about social media. I mean, just think about the electronics and social media. Is it tuned to help do this to your heart? You know? Think about the images you look at and what they stir up. I mean, a lot of times on Instagram, Facebook, you know, men and women are going to be different. Men are often going to stir up lust, you know? Getting on the explore feature, looking through other pictures, people you don't know, just trying to get eyes full of things. You gotta cut that off. You know, it's contaminating your heart. Women, a lot of times, it's it's it breeds discontentment. And um, you know, as they see things that you know they want, they don't have, what other people are doing that they aren't a part of. Like we need to think through that. I mean, these are newer technologies, so we had to think through like how do we deal with our own hearts? Pinterest, okay? We were talking earlier, Ish needs a Pinterest, he doesn't have one. Um, and to put all of his house projects on. And I just want to say publicly, it would be okay as a man to have a Pinterest if you're gonna Put some projects, maybe a retaining wall or some new tools you need or something. But one thing that that can do, and I know that you know, most of you women probably agree with this, is that you start to get on that. What does it do to your heart? You think, man, I would love to have flooring like that. You know? Or you think, man, you know, I wish I could keep my house that clean, even though I have five kids. You know? I mean, it stirs up discontentment. What are we doing? Um, 
Another thing to think through is like, do we nurse old wounds? Do we think about ways people have hurt us and wronged us, stirring up bitterness? You know what I think about this, guys, when I think about these temptations we have in the mind, things that we're able to repent of, is I think, I don't want to do this today, not just because it's wrong, but because I don't want to contaminate my heart, right? You know what it basically is? I'm going to say something gross, but basically, when you dwell on those things, what you're basically doing is pooping in the well. And then you wonder why the water tastes funny. Okay? Think about that next time you're tempted to kind of dwell on sinful thoughts and things. It's like, do I really want to contaminate the well of my heart? It's a huge motivation to me now because I'm like, I have to live out of this thing. You know? For years and decades to come, this is what I have to live at. Do I want to make life harder or easier on myself? Do I want to make life better for other people? What kind of heart do I want to give to the Father? And so... Um, uh, as far as these, the heart examination thing goes, we should do it regularly. Jack Eswine, the guy I'm reading, um, he does it four times a day. And I thought this was really cool. So um, in the morning when he first wakes up, you know, first thing we usually do is start scrolling through something, right? First thing he does, immediately kind of thinks through, do I have any cares that I need to bring to the Lord? Do I have any, um, any sinful tendencies that I'm feeling right now that I need to bring before the Lord? Is there anything I need to thank the Lord for? So what is he doing? He's tending his heart when he first wakes up. And then the next step is, um, he says what he'll do is right before lunchtime. So these are all kind of normal parts of your day, right? Lunchtime, same thing, same three things. He looks for cares. He calls them cares, carnalities, and consolations, all Cs. But um, do you, you know, have any fears? Do you have any, um, any, any tendencies towards sin that you need to bring before the Lord? Do you have any things you need to thank him for? How much healthier would it be if we just did even four times a day, right? Morning, um, right before you eat, he does them on his way home. You know, so he doesn't bring all that trash home, right? Um, wives, you know, that are stay-at-home wives, um, thinking through that as your husband's coming home. Okay, let me deal with the Lord on all these things. Um, and then he does one for, quote-unquote, the night watches. So that would be, like, right as he's going to sleep. He's going over his day, and he's thinking through. Isn't that cool? I was just thinking, like, how much healthier it would be? Because I'll tell you, I'll go days without thinking anything about my heart. What, what's probably happening? Well, the default is to contaminate it. And so what do we do when we find these things? Um, we should bring them before the Lord. I, um, Psalm 139 says, listen to this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. Like, we need to, we're not fit to examine our hearts. We need to go before the Lord. He's going to reveal these things to us. And so we just say, show me. Show me where I have sinned. Show me where idols have grabbed hold of my heart. We've talked a lot before here about idols, but... Idols are things that we have that are usually good things that we've made ultimate things, right? John Calvin said that, that our human heart is like an idol factory. We're constantly attaching ourselves to things that we think we need. And these would be things, good things like approval, pleasure, power, influence, comfort, control. And what happens is, is that gradually our hearts just grab hold of them. So it starts off, you know, open hand and you would love for people to like you, right? Would you guys like people to like you? Okay, the one that says, I don't want people to like me, like, that's a problem too, okay? Um, we want people to like us, too, right? And so um, to, to want people to like us is fine. And if we keep an open hand with it, that's great. And so we say, I would like people to like me. I want to, you know, love people. I would like them to love me back. But what happens with idolatry is what? We start to close our hands around that, and we must have the approval of others, right? And then eventually, as we close our hand, it becomes a fist. We demand that from other people, and you can see the symptoms of this idolatry come out, right? 
As your, the, the kind of the hand of your heart closes around this idol, you find yourself uh, having um, symptoms of idolatry, things like anger, fear, um, being downcast, being covetous, being bitter, right? You see these symptoms in your heart, and the thing to do is to ask the question, where is this coming from? You know, a lot of times what we do is we just try to justify those emotions, right? But Psalm 139 says we can bring them before the Lord and say, what's going on here, Lord? Why am I feeling this way? And deal with our hearts. I have this uh, question in my Bible that I've shared with you guys before, but um, in the back it says, um, it says, what do you want so badly today that is making you depressed, anxious, covetous, bitter, or angry? What is making you sick of soul? That's the idol you need to repent of today. Pray and confess it to your father. I've gone to this question a bunch of times where I've just thought, like, I have all these things. And when I say anxiety and depression, I'm not saying the medical disorder that. I'm talking about the garden variety type that we, we all experience. And, 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 to, and to see what is that idol and then to come to the Lord and repent of it. How many of you guys have had dogs before? How many of you guys have had dogs that got hold of dead animals? What's it like to get the dead animal out of its mouth? Very difficult, right? That's what our hearts do, right? As they grab hold of that idol, it's like a dog that's grabbed hold of a dead animal. You know, and, and, and what we need to do is we need to bring that to the Lord and say, Lord, free me from this. I have this addiction to this thing other than you, and, and I need you to free me from it. Because it is a dead animal, right? And it's showing symptoms. And so what do we do? We come before the Lord and we pray and we say, Father, you know, I am so stuck in bitterness today or I am so um, overcome by a desire for people's approval or, or whatever it is and say, Lord, I agree with you on this. I don't want this. You don't want this. Like, please free me from it. Give me your thoughts and emotions today for this situation. And as we do that, he, he releases us from it. That's what it means to keep our hearts. Another thing uh, that it means to keep our hearts is to be in Scripture, you know, Psalm 119 says that we store up the word of God in our hearts so we don't sin against him, right? Um, and that as we dwell in the word and as we see Christ in the word, we see that he's better than all these idols, right? Like what's going to open that hand? It's to see something better. I bet I could get a dead animal out of my dog's mouth with a piece of bacon. Okay, I bet I could do that, okay? Our hearts, as they're wrapped around these idols, will open up as we see that Christ is better, Right? As we see that he's more glorious, that he's better, it becomes not a fight. That hand just opens right up. And so this is what it means to keep our hearts. And if we do this long term, uh, we'll have less temptation. We'll have less thoughts and emotions that battle against us pursuing the Lord. You know, Jesus said, and I'll end on this, but Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. John said that God's commandments are not burdensome. How do we get there? How do we get to where we actually feel like Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light and his commandments are not burdensome? It happens as our hearts are changed. You know, It doesn't happen just by willpower. It happens as our hearts are changed that the yoke becomes easier and the burden becomes lighter as we become the kind of people that really want to do the things that Christ has commanded. And so think about it this year, 2016. And think about what specific areas. And you pray before the Lord you know, before New Year's. Just think, what would the Lord have me to pursue him on this, this year? Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's an area of contentment. Maybe it's an area of fear. Maybe it's an area of um, lust. Maybe it's an area of, you know, judging other people. I mean, that's a sin that's left largely. Maybe it's a sin of, of gossip or something like that, right? What is it? And ask the Lord to bless it this year. And then what we're going to do the next couple of weeks is we're going to talk about specific practices 
spiritual disciplines that we can do to actually gradually move away from that so that we can see the power of the Spirit work in our lives. Lastly, guys, though, if you're here and you have not become a follower of Jesus, you're not surrendered to him, the first thing you need is a new heart. You know, in Jeremiah it says, the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Okay? The heart that you have before you become a disciple of Jesus is a heart that's dead. It's a heart that's opposed to God. It's a heart that you can't reform. It's a heart that, that needs to be replaced. And, um, and, 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 and aside from that is, if we're talking about God sees all these things equally, I think you'll admit that you're in trouble with God, <laughs> right? If he sees not just your actions, but he sees your heart, you know you have sin. And the cool thing is, is that Jesus has come to take away all your sins and to give you a new heart. On the cross, Jesus Christ was pierced through his heart to give you a new heart, to give you a heart that, that can be different towards him and towards others. And he's promised his spirit to transform you. Guys, these are massive gifts. You think about like gifts you got. The best gifts are the gifts you couldn't get yourself, right? The best, the best gifts are the ones you didn't get yourself, <laughs> right? And that you couldn't get yourself. And let me just ask you this. If, if Jesus didn't take care of it, how were you going to get rid of your sin? Impossible. There was no way. How are you going to get rid of this? How are you going to get rid of the sin in your heart? How are you going to get rid of the sin in your heart? Impossible. And let me ask you this. If Jesus didn't die for you to give it to you, how were you going to get a new heart? You can't. These are gifts you can't buy. These are gifts that Jesus has given. And I just say, if you haven't come to Christ before, come to Christ today. I mean, these are gifts he wants to give to you today. You just need to surrender to him and trust in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the immense gift of forgiveness that um, not just the things we've done and said, but the things we've thought and felt have all been forgiven in Jesus. And that you remember them no more. So good. That's a reason to praise you all day long. And then on top of that, You've not left us to be the same old people dealing with the same old sin. You've given us new hearts that can grow and change, that are inhabited by your spirit. And we just pray in this new year, Lord, that we would live more fully into what you've given us. That we would experience all kinds of new transformations of life that are gifts from the cross, that are given by our resurrected Savior. Thank you for every person that's in here, Lord. I just pray that you have and will continue to speak to them today in a very personal way, giving hope, giving joy, conviction where needed, comfort, peace. Lord, make us new this year. We can see more of the new creature within us. We pray this in Jesus' name. You've been listening to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Church, Menifee. If you would like to know more about the Menifee campus, visit us online at covgrace.org slash Menifee.